Well, we are in a kingdom series, and uh, last week we we uh, looked at uh, the fact that the kingdom is is not just uh, it 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 has come, but it is not yet. Um, and before the children went to children's church, I shared with them a passage of scripture out of uh, John chapter uh, seventeen. It was Jesus's prayer, and I'm going to read that again this morning. But uh, Jesus prayed that um, as as his followers, that we are not in the world, we are in the world, but we are not of the world, and uh, that and Jesus prayed that uh, that we would be protected, that um, that 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 the Spirit of God, that God would keep us from the evil one. And so let me read that uh, passage of scripture one more time to remind us of this truth because uh, it's part of our kingdom series and how we are to live our lives as followers of Christ. In verse 14 of John chapter 17, Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And uh, and so this is our little fishbowl. This is where Glitter Gills lives right now. Who named him Glitter Gills? Was that your idea, Colin? Well, that's a great name. And so I commend all of you for voting for Glitter Gills. And, uh, you know, Glitter Gills thrives. He eats and breathes and lives inside the fishbowl, doesn't he? Okay? That, he lives in a great big world, okay? Just like we as, as followers of Christ live in a great big world, but when we become Christians, our lives are hidden in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. And so this fishbowl represents the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You like the little castle that I got, Glitter Gills, okay? Part of our mascot series. But uh, as we live our lives in Christ and stay there, you know what? God blesses our lives. He he protects our lives. But if Glitter Gills were to jump out of the, the water and fall onto the carpet or on this table and nobody rescued Glitter Gills, what would happen to Glitter Gills? It would die. You're absolutely right because it's out of its environment, okay? So kids, Jesus prayed. That he would, that we would be protected from the evil one. Okay, who is this? Dory. Okay, but let's not say it's Dory this morning. Let's just say that it is the evil one. Kind of like the shark in the movie, okay? As we grow older, you know what? Um, glitter gills, I think, can look outside this glass and see what he sees the environment that we're living in, okay? He can see evil ones like Dory. And there's going to be 
there's going to be evil people occasionally as we grow in our relationship with Christ and get older and older that are going to be on the outside of this fishbowl and saying, hey, come out on the other side. Look, that is too confined. That's too small of a space right here. Look what's out here. Look at the, the world that you can swim in. And this is a fake fish. This fish lies, okay? But, but sometimes we're tempted to jump out of the fishbowl. And Jesus prayed for all of us that we would always stay in the truth. That we would hide God's word in our heart. That we would know the truth, the truth of the Bible, from error. And we wouldn't listen to the enemy, but we would listen to the truth. And continue to live in the environment that God wants us to live in. Alright? So, that was, uh, that was last week. Now I have a question for you. It's like this fishbowl? Yeah. Is it pretty cool? How much? No. That's, that's my grandson being a wise guy. I have a question. How many would like to buy this and take it home with you? Yeah? Another question I have is how much would you be willing to spend to take that home with you. How much? Twelve dollars? One dollar? How much? Two dollars? What? Three hundred now. That's who I'm looking for here. How many would spend how many would spend more than three hundred dollars? Oh you would now you would up up the ante. Okay. You know, I was hoping that you would say a whole lot of money because I think I'm in the wrong profession and I think I can buy, I can sell these things to kids your age. Well, this morning, this morning we are looking at a passage of scripture where a person found a treasure and a pearl And that treasure and that pearl was so valuable that they sold everything to be able to buy that treasure. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Matthew chapter 13. And we are looking at the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. And again, these are Jesus' words describing what the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls 
who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This fishbowl represents our salvation, our life in Christ, and what Jesus did for us. And when we truly understand what this salvation, this treasure, this pearl truly means to us, you know what? We'll want to give our all for this treasure. And that's the, that's the message of, uh, of this parable of, uh, this sermon this morning. So kids, you can go on back to your seats, okay? Not, not to children's church. There's no children's church. Just stay with your mom and dad. And uh, hopefully you can find them. So that's where we're going this morning. But again, a little bit of a review from uh, last Sunday. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. And one of the reasons why he talked a lot about the kingdom while he was on earth was because he's the king of the kingdom. And uh, and so he had a lot to say about this kingdom. He also talked about the kingdom because this was first and foremost on the minds of Jews. Jews were looking for uh, the Messiah who was going to set up the kingdom here and now. And when we looked at Luke chapter 17 last week, uh, Jesus told the, the, the Jews, Hey, I am the guy that you're looking for. I am the son of man that's described in Daniel chapter 7. He was very careful about that. That was Jesus' favorite description of himself, son of man, pointing to the prophecy of Daniel chapter chapter 7. I'm that guy. The kingdom is in your midst. It's it's here among you. It has come upon you, and it's going to be in your heart. But first, the Son of Man has got to suffer. He has, he has got to make the sacrifice for our salvation. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to go and go away for a period of time. But he's coming again. So the kingdom is here. But it, it's not all the way here yet. It reigns uh, in our hearts. And so he talked about the kingdom because this was important to the Jews. And then uh, finally he talked about the kingdom because um, uh, he was going to eventually come back and set up a physical kingdom here on earth for all eternity. But in the meantime, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so as believers, as followers of Christ, are the kingdom in which we live, it's not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And when we discover the true value of this kingdom, we will want to give our all for this treasure, for this pearl. So that's what Jesus is conveying here in this, in this parable this morning. Three things I want to share. Number one, that it's valuable. That it's a treasure. 
It's a treasure hidden in the field. It is a pearl of great value. It is our salvation. It symbolizes our salvation. And it is priceless. And all people who have been created in the image of God, that that means everybody. We're all looking for this treasure. Now, we don't necessarily know what we're looking for, but there is there is this void in every person's heart that's trying to be filled. And we'll come around and, and we'll find something that gets our interest. I, I remember our kids growing up, uh, Christmas time, you know, uh, we would think long and hard about the Christmas present that we wanted to buy our our little boy or girl on their on their first first Christmas, and uh, we would find that gift. We would be excited about it as parents. We would wrap it up, and on Christmas morning they would unwrap the gift. They would take out the toy, and instead of playing with the toy, they would play with the box. Okay. I mean, they found great fulfillment and satisfaction in that box. But then after a period of time, the the box would wear off, off and they would notice the toy, and they would play with the toy. But whatever we purchase, whatever we buy, you know, it's a novelty. I mean, it, we show great interest in that thing. We find great joy and satisfaction for a period of time. And it can be anything and everything that this world has to offer. But it is temporal. That satisfaction doesn't last forever. There's only one thing. A person. Jesus Christ, that is to quench one's thirst forever. And that is the treasure, that is the pearl that um, that these individuals came across. That, what Jesus is saying is, is it's the kingdom is the answer that man is looking for. The kingdom in this sin-infested world. There is something. There is a great gift that can answer the question that man is longing to find the answer to. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we find the answer, when we discover the the treasure or the pearl, we'll want to give our all for it. It's that valuable. And there's one among us here this morning. This is his last Sunday uh, with us uh, in our church because he's chosen to leave all here in Ridgecrest. Probably some of you are thinking, well, that's not hard to do. But no, he's he's leaving his job. Uh, he's leaving his friends. And he's going to a third world country to share the good news of Jesus Christ. To share the treasure that he's come across personally. And so, uh, John Vargas, why don't you come up here, John. And uh, I wanted him to just share a few words about... Uh, 
what God has laid on his heart and how meaningful this treasure is in his life. And, uh, and as he shares this morning, let me just mention to you that uh, there's going to be an open house at, uh, at our house this Friday evening. And you all are welcome to uh, come and, and uh, spend a little bit of time with uh, John before he leaves. And, uh, and uh, just say goodbye to him. Please welcome John this morning. I get this out of your way. Morning, church. Uh, I'll try. I'll try today to stick to my notes so that I finish on time. Um, just wanted to start with saying thank you to the church uh, for just loving on me and just uh, praying for me and encouraging me. Uh, as a person going out there, um, uh, I just want to tell you, it's a big fuel to my passion to go out there, knowing that there's a church that's praying for you, encouraging you, and available to me. I just want to uh, go into this passage really quickly. Um, just to summarize what I'll, I'll be sharing today, it's from David Platt. He says, limitless opportunities abound right now for the spread of the gospel among people who have never heard if we will take advantage of it. So in Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, it's all about treasuring Jesus. It's all about knowing Jesus above Everything else that's around us. And that's. And I, and my prayer for us and your prayer, I hope is that we are now drowned by the demands of those things around us. Whether it's your job, whether it's your family, the economy, the bills that we have to pay. And even our families. Because Jesus said, if you were to follow me, you have to, you know, leave your family. Let the dead bury their own deads. And if we value the, tempor- the temporary things more than this treasure, we will struggle to believe, follow, and leave, live these verses that we are reading today. And know that this idea of treasuring God is from God himself. And he, to that point that he let his own son, Jesus, suffer for this, if you open with me in Matthew 26, verse 39, we see Jesus pray this prayer. He says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, God says, God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it is God who desires that you and I be saved. It is always God's will that he, that we will treasure him more than anything that this life has to offer. And it is in response to this very message that we share the gospel. Because if we don't respond to that gospel, if we don't treasure Jesus... Our eternity is hinging either on eternity in hell or eternity in heaven with God. And if this is a glorious truth that you and I believe, then this message has to be proclaimed among all nations. I was sharing with some uh, in Rihab the other day, a true disciple will make a disciple. 
I'm convicted of that from God's word. A true disciple will make a disciple. And that's why we reach people locally in, in the city of Richcrest. We reach people and globally, we take the mission, this gospel at whatever cost it may be. And what we think is a cost is actually, think about it, we came empty-handed, the Bible says, empty-handed, you will go, go back. It's not costing you a whole lot to you because it was never yours to begin with. So all God's, and he appointed you a, to be a good steward of that, of your family, of your resources, of your time, of your skills. So as John Piper puts it this way, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not mission, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on the faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel of goal and missions. That means you and I exist to worship God. Why we do missions, why we send money, why we send people, why I'm going is not simply to rescue women and children from trafficking is good and noble. Philanthropy is good. But philanthropy does not impact your eternity. It's the message of the gospel that Jesus died for you and for I. That's what changes the eternity of these people. So what's the end of those who don't worship Jesus? It's the dreadful reality of the lost. If you read in second, if you read in uh, Luke 16, there's a story of this rich man and between him and there's a conversation between him and, and Lazarus is he's asking father to dip the finger and just this drop. He's just asking for a drop. He's not asking even for a cup of water. He's saying in Hades being in torment, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger. And goes on to say. I beg you father send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers. So that he may warn them. Lest they also come to the place of this torment. See. Faith is a choice that you have to make. Even in his sovereignty. God will not negate human responsibility. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. The happiness of a creature lies in self-surrender. Then no one can make the surrender but himself, though many can help him to make it, and a person may refuse. I will pay any price to, the, to be able to say truthfully, all will be saved. But my reason retorts, without their will or with it, if I say without their will, I at once perceive a contradiction. How can the supreme voluntary act of self-surrender be involuntary? If I say with their will, my reason replies, how if they would not give in? In other words, God will have to force man into self-surrender in order for all to be saved in the first place. And C.S. Lewis goes on saying, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out their past sins at all costs to give them a fresh start? Smoothing every difficulty and offering a miraculous help. He has done so on Calvary to forgive them. They choose not to be forgiven. To leave them alone, afraid, that is what he does. Hell is God leaving man alone in his self-chosen rebellion against him. 
Bible teaches that hell is the final finalization, the culmination of that separation between man and God. George Whitfield used to speak with tears in his eyes, and he says, of the torment of burning like a livid coal, not for an instant or for a day, but for millions of millions of ages, at the end of which the souls will realize that they are no closer to the end than they first begun. And they will never ever be delivered from that place. So church, what is your role and my role into this? Right now there are 2 billion people who have never heard this gospel. If we really treasure Jesus and this message as precious, we have to take this gospel to them. And Platt said, there is more mercy in God than the sin in you and I. So Jesus offers that hope to all of us. So I want to leave you guys with this question. What are some of your gifts, your innate desires and skills that you can use to be parts of God's greatest mission and accomplish his work? What are some of those skills and desires that God has given you? Some of you say, John, I'm not called to go cross-culturally. I am not going to be a pastor. But let me tell you, in Romans 8, 11, it says, If the spirit of whom raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. That means the same spirit that raised the God from the dead lives in you and me. That should be enough, actually more than enough, to give you the power to share this good news. And I'm convinced in the church of this size, or at least, if not all, some are called to go and live among people groups who have never heard Jesus. I'll challenge this church. Some of you need to get out of your seats and go live among people. There, are, If you go to IMB website, they have opportunities are limitless, as Platt says. There are limitless opportunities for if you're a professional, if you're, if you're a retiree. If you're, if you're a person who's, who, who says, I can't even stand on my feet, John, what do I do? You can pray. Prayer is an action. The book of James says, prayer of a righteous man are powerful and effective. You can be praying and interceding for those who go out. You, you can either be a gore or you, you can be a sender. There are no middle grounds, church. So pray and wrestle. No matter how many years it takes. I ask permission to share this and with Jonathan Reddick, the family that I live with. John's brother got saved, came to know Christ at the age of 65. His parents has been praying for them for years, and their parents actually died, and they have no idea that their son is saved. The choice is yours, church, if you want to be part of God's greatest mission and accomplish his purposes. Please keep me in prayers. I'll be heading out March 20th. Uh, Saturday, I'll be heading out from here, from California to East Coast. Thank you so much. Well, John, let me pray for you. Go ahead and put that on stand. I want to pray for John this morning. And uh, obviously, John uh, knows, has discovered the treasure. And uh, he's given his all uh, for this treasure. And now he's treasuring Christ by taking it overseas. He sees, he knows that there are people overseas who haven't discovered this treasure yet. And God has called John to carry that good news of the gospel to the people of Cambodia. So let's, let's pray for John. Thank you, Father, for the, the passion that John has for you. Lord, how you have 
open his eyes to the pearl of great, great price, the hidden treasure in the field, this great salvation that has changed his heart and his life. And God, you've placed on him a burden that is on your heart for the loss of this world that have not yet heard the good news of your salvation. I pray that, Lord, that you just uh, continue to help him as he continues to raise funds and prepares for this journey overseas. And, uh, Lord, thank you for the the testimony that he is to all of us, uh, his uh, step of of faith. And, Lord, I pray that uh, there be people here in this service who would uh, help resource uh, John, treasure Christ that might send him um, full-time into Cambodia uh, long-term. So, uh, Lord, thank you, Father, for this time and the short opportunity we've gotten to know and and, uh, hear his story among us here. Continue to bless and provide in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. And again, you're welcome to our house uh, Friday if you would like to know more. Oh, sorry, Glitter Gills, for disturbing your world there. So going back to the parable, number one, it is valuable. Number two, it's hidden. Okay, the Bible says that uh, in the first parable, there was a man who was wandering through a field that stumbled upon it. You know, when it comes to our salvation in Christ, uh, there there are lots of testimonies among us where uh, we had an, a God encounter. You know, it may not necessarily have been like the Apostle Paul. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. You know, Paul was looking to persecute Christians. But uh, Paul had a Jesus encounter on the road to Damascus and uh, it transformed Paul's life. He kind of stumbled across the treasure like this parable describes. But then there's others who are searching for, for God. They're, they're seekers. And we know the Christmas story about the wise men who uh, looked at the stars and uh, and uh, realized that uh, the this, this, this Son of God was going to be born uh, where, this, where they saw the star, the star located in the sky. And so they went on a search for this, for this Christ child. But again, it's something that is hidden. It's hidden from the outside world. The outside world can't see it, Jesus describes. It's, it's only those whom God has unveiled their eyes and that they can see. And they look like to the world, the people around us, look at people like John. And they think, that dude's crazy. Why in the world would he live or leave a high-paying job and rely on the support of other people to go to a third-world country 
where they don't have the resources that he has right here in the United States of America to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And they look at John and they think, that guy's stupid. And there's people who drive by China Lake Boulevard. And they see your car in this parking lot. And you are, you know, you're, you're, you're giving your time. You're wasting three hours of your Sunday morning where you can do, uh, something else. Not only are you just spending three hours of your Sunday morning doing something here, but you're giving money to whatever we're doing around here. And there's a world that says, you guys are stupid. That I'm stupid. And the reason why they've come to that opinion is because their eyes are still blind. They haven't stumbled across the treasure. They're, they're not, they're not seekers of something, um, that their heart longs for. And they're still blind. And what Jesus is saying in this parable is, if you come across it, if God, by His grace, reveals Himself to you, or as you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, Jesus is saying you are going to find something that you're going to want to give your everything to because it is that significant. It is that valuable. It is that worth investing in. That's the kingdom. That's our salvation. And for those whose eyes are blind, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are stern, discerned only through the Spirit. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But praise God that the scales have fallen off our eyes and that we can treasure what John treasures and that collectively as a church, we can treasure Christ. We can treasure this great salvation and we can help resource John so that he can go to a people group who have never heard about the person of Jesus Christ, where they might stumble on it themselves or where they may seek it and find it and give their all to Christ as well. It is valuable. It is hidden. And number three, what we learn from this passage of scripture is that it must be this, this salvation, this treasure must be personally acquired through a transaction. It must be personally acquired through 
a transgression. You have to acquire it for yourself. And please hear me this morning say this, that you cannot buy your salvation. Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying in this, in the, in these two parables this morning. You cannot purchase your salvation. It is absolutely free, and we know that from the rest of Scripture. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, of heaven. You've got to impoverish yourself. You, you, you have to be poor to the things of God. Destitute, spiritually know that God is your only hope. And when you come to that conclusion, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Mark chapter 10 verse 15 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We've got to have that Christ, that childlike faith to come into a relationship with, with him. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. It's, it's simply believing uh, who Jesus says he is. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 says, You received without paying, give without pay. Salvation is a gift. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. But when you truly understand all that Christ has done for us, the gospel, this, the, the, the kingdom of salvation, the gift of salvation, <clears throat> there will be an exchange. And this is the transaction. Okay? The transaction is this. You give up all you have for all he is. That's the transaction. You give up all that you have for all that he has, that he is. Now, what is all that you have? You give up your brokenness. You give up your anger. You give up your pride. Your skepticism. Of who God is. Your, your selfishness of living for yourself. Your, your pain of whatever has happened in your life. Your, your aspirations of uh, what you wanted to do. Your unmet needs. I don't know what it is, but you give up all that you have for all that He is. This is a treasure beyond comprehension. And I want you to know that when you give up all you have for all that he is, you are getting the better end of the deal. This treasure, this pearl, his salvation. When you look to the cross, it screams, I love you. I forgive you. You are worth my sacrifice, my 
death on the on the cross. That's how valuable you are to me. That's what the cross screams. But not only when we look at this this treasure and we look at the cross, we also have got to look at the empty tomb. Because the empty tomb screams hope, life over death. The empty tomb screams a future. The empty tomb screams truth. Whatever Jesus has said he will do, whatever Jesus says about his future, our future, we can take it to the bank because the tomb is empty. We can believe it. The empty tomb screams that promises are fulfilled. There's a future. There is a hope. And this is our treasure. This is our pearl. And when we come across it, Jesus says, we will want to give everything for it. It's that important to us. And the world looks at us as fools. Only because their eyes are still blind. Praise God, he has allowed us to see the true reality. And Matthew chapter 10, verse 39 says, Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And those who have found real life Love to write those checks. To them, 10% of what God has entrusted to them is nothing. It doesn't even compare to our great salvation. And if you're here this morning and you have a hard time entrusting God with that 10%, Maybe you're just, you're, you're, you're a young disciple, okay? And this is something that you want to grow into, but you're not quite there yet. You need to start taking baby steps. Because the treasure is that important to you. And this is what Jesus tells us to do as, as his followers. But maybe there's some others here in this room. You're in rebellion over that 10%. Okay? That's not God's. That's mine. I've worked hard for that. And you hold on to that. And that whatever you're holding on to is never enough. And so it continues to grow and grow and grow. In fact, you've got to build bigger barns to, to contain what's not enough. You know what Jesus says? You haven't discovered the hidden treasure yet. You haven't come across the pearl of great price yet. 
Because when you truly understand what God's kingdom, the gift of salvation and who he is and wants to be in your life, when you truly comprehend this, it's not something you want to hold on to. You treasure, you treasure him. You treasure his salvation more than your stuff. More than that 10%. There's somebody that needs to be resourced to go to Togo or Cambodia or France to, to minister to the refuge, refugees. Where do I sign up? How can I give? Because the, I treasure Christ. More than the stuff in my barn. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And that's, this is what the kingdom series is all about. As we understand the kingdom, we'll know what our mission as a church is to be. What our, our values are to be to embrace and to live out. What, what's our vision? Where does God want us to go? So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're holding on to. But Jesus in this parable is saying, it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare to our salvation in Christ. Let's pray. I don't know if you've made that transaction yet. Again, it's a transaction of faith. It's not something you can buy. And this morning, if if God is taking the the blinders off of your eyes and helping you to see that uh, there are things that have been more important than Jesus, and you have been experiencing the consequences of following those other gods. Today you can make that transaction. Today you can set those other gods aside and you can pursue the one and only God who can transform your life. And that transaction can and will occur when you come to him in Christ-like faith. And if that's the desire of your heart this morning, you just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe you. I believe you can take my mess, my lousy priorities, and forgive it all. This morning, I want to give you my all. Help me to be God. What I can't be by myself. I need your strength, your power. I need for you to be the the treasure, the pearl that will help me to live differently. Because this morning, I'm acknowledging to you, God,
that you're more important than anything else. And my friend, if that's your heart's desire, you prayed those words, you're ready, you're ready to buy this treasure, to give your all to him. You become his child. And you can begin to think and live totally different than the way you have been living. Father, I don't know each person in this room and what's going on in the inside of their heart, but you do. God, if, if they've made a decision this morning, Lord, that's not something they are to keep to themselves, but I pray that they would take those obedient steps of faith to publicly declare that they want you. That you are now their treasure. But thank you, Father, for this this word this morning. And Lord, I pray that our lives would reflect the values of your kingdom and how priceless our great salvation is. Use this time of invitation as we worship you in Christ's name. Amen.